0: Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. Hello, and welcome to uh, Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm having a good old fashioned chat with Miss Marcella Mandeville. And did I sorry I should have asked for it. Did I say your last name correctly? Yes. Perfect. Excellent. I, I always like to start off on a good foot of like, get the name right, Tyler, and you're, you're in good shape for the rest of the episode. You are the chief executive officer at Alberta Women's Entrepreneurs. So let's just start like, w- tell us about Alberta Women's Entrepreneurs and let's have a dia- dialogue about women in business in Alberta and see where this I'm excited for this conversation. I think we've got lots of runway to talk about lots of the good, the bads and how we can be better, but let's get into it.
1: Sounds great. So first of all, thank you for inviting me and having me here today. Very excited to have the this conversation. So AWE is a not-for-profit association. We were formed 25 years ago. So we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. So in 1995, the organization was primarily started to provide capital to women who wanted to start businesses. It's hard to believe that in 1995, this was, this was an issue, but it really was. Right. So initially, AWE was started to provide that capital and to start to provide support services that made sense to meet the needs of women entrepreneurs. And since then, we have evolved and grown and changed with the women entrepreneurs in our province. And we have seen entrepreneurship grow in leaps and bounds over these 25 years across all industries and sectors, all sizes of business, different ages of of people starting businesses. And really, we've seen a lot of diversity happening in the women's entrepreneurship space. So we've been evolving with them, changing our programs, lending to businesses that were growing, expanding, buying a business, a lot of different things. So we've been evolving over the 25 years as well. So we offer financing up to $150,000. We also currently have relief Funds. Uh, We have special loans for entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs that have experienced significant difficulty due to COVID-19. So we have a uh, a new program that we launched in July. And we also have a lot of wraparound services, free business advising, different programming workshops. We have a new program that we're really excited to launch called Bold Leadership. It's around digital transformation and digitizing your business And that's something that is so critical. We've just seen that exponential rate of change this year in particular. And that has been uh, a real marker for success for a lot of businesses that have been able to really shift and grow and change with the environment. So we're excited. We have a lot of things going on all the time. We're always changing and growing and we're always listening. So exciting to think.
0: Okay. Thank you for and I I had a huge gap around the fact that originally your history, it didn't know it was 25 years, but also it was set up as a capital to provide investment dollars. And was that, you know, and not to go back, let's even maybe talk about the last five years. You've been with the organization since 2015 as the COO and then moved into the CEO role. Uh, Congratulations. That's a nice, excellent. And- clearly something you're passionate about that comes through in your conversation. So just curious, even, you know, you and I were talking a little bit offline of some of the barriers and some of the things that exist for women that, you know, can easily said like, why still are we still like that? But let's even talk about what have you seen over the last five years? Like, in Alberta specifically, you can globally is kind of another conversation, but have we improved? Are we moving in the right direction? And yes, it's, uh, it's good to be optimistic, but what have you seen us do well? And maybe what haven't we done well over those last, let's just take the last five years, which let's be honest, has been a pretty interesting time for Alberta, the last five or six years, and then we threw COVID on top of it all. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes. All of those things. It has been we were facing significant economic challenges for the past four years, five years prior to COVID hitting us. Definitely. And, you know, you really feel that in the small business space that is, you know, that is a really big generator of uh, of our GDP it's a very important part of our economy and you really feel those economic ripples in the small business sector for sure so one of the things in the last 5 years that alberta has done very well is to is to really support the early stage women entrepreneurs so we've actually we're leading the country or we have been leading the country in the past, in recent years in women starting businesses and running early stage businesses. And so that's, that's excellent. And we're still not quite at, at parity with with men uh, entrepreneurs, but we are certainly seeing that progression in Alberta. So that's been really good.
0: This, this question it reminds me of Did I hear a stat that like typical startups in Canada were fifteen percent, but a female, but then in Alberta we were as high as thirty percent? Did I, I have a stat in my head where I was like proud when I heard that that it was not just a couple percent more, like it was literally double. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. And, and and of course that shifts over time, right? We have, when I heard it, know, I essentials. was like, I had a sense
0: of pride around that Daniel yeah. Burton.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there was there was a point in time where that was true and that dipped a little bit and it comes up a little bit. But essentially when we look at, you know, what has what what you know, even as a nation, when we look at something like the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor, which looks at entrepreneurship around the world and looks at similar markers across a number of countries, Canada is a leader in innovation, entrepreneurship, and then to have Alberta be a leader in Canada in terms of of women's entrepreneurship is, is excellent. So there are some fantastic resources, supports, role models, but we need more. And I think that's where we could do better. And that's something we've been working on at AWE. And we have a lot of great other organizations and partners, entrepreneurs out there in the ecosystem that are doing the same, but the growth piece growing more, really making sure that whatever those aspirations are for the entrepreneur, that they have the resources, that they have the access to decision makers who are going to put revenue into their business. And those those networks and those markets uh, outside of Alberta to really guarantee the success that they want to achieve in their business.
0: Okay, oh, so Marcel, I have so many, I have so many questions. <laughs> in, to, in inherently curious, my brain is spinning. Say, so first question I want to just kind of because I'm I'm thinking about it that that higher number of female entrepreneurs in Alberta. I'm curious of the of the statistic there. Is there something we're doing in Alberta that's really making that friend, a friendly environment for female entrepreneurs, or is there also an underpinning that, and I believe this, and I don't have a stat behind it, that I'll, that that we are just more entrepreneurial and we have a tendency towards it. I moved here from back East and I love this entrepreneur. Like if you can provide some degree of value, someone would give you an opportunity. There was an appetite here. So I was curious, is, is it also because we're just really well set up from a values and cultural perspective to be entrepreneurial? But are there things that we do here as well as what you're doing clearly to make it more of a friendly entrepreneurial environment not only overall but specifically for women. Like sorry am, am I articulating the difference are like are we just more entrepreneurial or are we actually better at supporting female entrepreneurs in other parts of the country?
1: I believe it's a combination of both. Okay. Alberta is an entrepreneurial place and you see that in the 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 power of of the network of entrepreneurs that are out there and the supports that entrepreneurs give each other. So it's great. We have organizations like, like us. but And a big part of our job is to convene those entrepreneurs so they can connect with each other and build up that momentum. And a big part of entrepreneurship and you know having the confidence to take the risk to become a business owner is to be able to see that it is, that can you see others doing it successfully? Do you have access to their advice and their learnings? And I think that's something that we in Alberta do very well as, as entrepreneurs, as a network of supports of organizations. That is That makes a difference. And then there's all these other supports that are provided as well through organizations, so specific programming or services or financing or investing and really looking at what are the needs of the entrepreneurs. And at the same time, those entrepreneurs are getting the support they need from each other. And they're really being able to understand what they need and articulate it to organizations like us so we can do a better job of supporting them. So I think it's all—it's a bit of a web. There's no
0: one magic answer. I appreciate that. That's yeah. right. Interesting. So you work exclusively with female entrepreneurs. Do you are female entrepreneurs really good at supporting each other, and, I, and the reason I'm asking is I have a lot of entrepreneurs come on and male or female, and sometimes there's that advice of like, listen, don't be the entrepreneur who's scared to get advice or scared to get feedback and I'm going to speak for all guys, which is going to get me some in trouble here, but sometimes we can be a bit like, "No, I know better and I don't really want your feedback and I, it, there's sometimes maybe not a tendency to be as inclusive as you could be I'm curious with female entrepreneurs. you, you talk about a sense of community and what you do to bring them together and kind of get them in the room and maybe spark. But let the conversations go. Do you see that there's a huge willingness or openness to support each other? Like is that is that a characteristic of the female entrepreneurship community? Not that it's not in men. I got to be really careful what I'm asking and saying here, but sometimes we can get in our own way as guys. Sometimes I can get in my own way. Let's speak it that way.
1: <laughs> well, it's very good to be very self-aware. So I'm working on excellent. it, Marcel.
0: It's, const- it's constant excellent. it's a constant it's a constant adventure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, to answer your question, there is, I, that was what drew me in to stay with Alberta Women Entrepreneurs was the community of women entrepreneurs. The work is is very interesting, but it really was that community. And, you know, that had been something that I wished I had known and I had asked for help and I had connected with when I was trying to to have a business that was growing and successful. And so that drew me in and has kept me in this space for the last 12 years Mm. and so and what it also does is it draws in others we have a lot of men we have a lot of different folks who participate with us because they like that sense of community and they want to be part of those kinds of conversation and that kind of connection so that's something that i think we have seen the women's entrepreneurship community do exceptionally well and really that um, it's really the only thing that often holds us back is our own fear to ask for help and <laughs> advice to your yes. earlier point. and women can do it too and I did it and I just didn't know any better. And I think that if we can encourage uh, if we can encourage those asking those questions and asking for that help, we know that there's someone out there who is willing to help.
0: I I have found personally growing up in the East and obviously you have your community moving to Alberta, the willingness of people to support each other. And like the only fear is, is of the, is of you not reaching out for yourself. Like the, the, the openness to people, even doing this podcast, the amount of people that are willing to come on and go, yeah, absolutely. I'll come on and sure. I'll support it. And it's just Alberta does that so incredibly well. Like I think it is one of our superpowers. I really believe that gender aside.
1: (laughs) I agree. I agree. And I see that we see this across all industries and sectors. And uh, we see this with the women entrepreneurs and the ecosystem supports that are out there. And I think we all we can do is just continue to work on it and get better and say, how do we move this? How do we share this with the world? How do we share this beautiful magic that we have here in our province that we support so well and get it out into the world?
0: I recently had a guest on, uh, Mr. Chris Black, and that was the title of his episode: "Why Why the World Needs More of Cal- Needs More of Calgary or Needs More of Alberta." It's funny yes. we we I have an office in Toronto, an office here, and we have a in our boardroom in Toronto that no one uses right now because the office is, no one's in the office. But we have this beautiful mural of the mountains, and we have you know YYC to YYZ, and we and we always joke Toronto needs a little bit of Calgary, and Calgary needs a bit. We always joke on that a little bit that. Sometimes gets a different reaction, especially in Toronto. But that's a, that's another conversation. <laughs> Coming back to the funding uh, pillar of, of of what you do, when I think about funding and I think about entrepreneurship in general, even for women, is there is that model like you You guys clearly identified there was a need 25 years ago. You clearly, it was the thing you led with. This is what we do and the thing we do the most. It's the most valid. Is there still barriers for female entrepreneurs and access to funding? It's like, obviously you're there for a reason, but is the system, is it? are we getting better? Like There was this problem 25 years ago. I'm hoping. I've had lots, as you know, mutual friend Shannon Peston speaks very openly of some of the brokenness in that model of giving access to how the system is Biased against female-specific entrepreneurs from a funding. From a funding, uh, if you can't put the gasoline in the tank, it's hard to get the machine going. And funding is that that gasoline.
1: Yes, and yes, there are still issues. <laughs> and yeah. Shannon and I have had many conversations about access to capital. And one of the key barriers. So we focus, of course, ours is debt financing. We are not in the equity investing world, but we connect with others that that are that are doing that. And we're always trying to help the entrepreneurs in our community, in our clients, uh, understand where, where is it best to bring capital into their business, when, what kind, how. And our work uh, around our financing is often not just about our financing. It's about leveraging our financing to bring in other money into their businesses as well. So we have a long-standing credibility of investing well. As an organization. We've been doing it for 25 years. We have a good track record. We've lent $27.5 million to 586 businesses.
0: You need to lead
1: with that stat. That gets boom. Everybody, I know, right? everybody, everybody
0: straightens their spine when they hear that stat.
1: Yeah. And we've well generated done. Well done. over $840 million in economic impact in the province and 2,000 jobs through directly through the lending. And that piece is just a small part of the capital that these women have brought into their businesses. So that, that it's good investment. It, you know, It has nothing to do with gender. We're investing in good businesses. We're set up to support specifically the gender, but we look very closely at business viability. And I think one of the interesting pieces of how we approach it is because we're working with, with um, women or those who identify as women, that there's no bias. There's no introductory bias of gender at all in our decision making in our conversations in our adjudication of the financing that we provide and that's the piece where there still is systematic systemic bias in in uh, traditional financing and there are there are great people you know, I'm not painting the whole system with a brush. There are great people who work in that system. There are certainly work being done to change some of that bias, but that bias does, does still exist. And we do hear that from the women that we work with, some of the challenges that they have to get that investment into their business because because of being a woman.
0: Interesting. So speaking to that bias, and I know this is probably, a, it's a much bigger, but again, you say it still exists. Uh, you where what's driving it? Or maybe what could, if we were going to wave a magic wand, what could, is it just an ingrained belief system in the, financial, in the financial sector in general because of that's the way we always used to think and that's the way we still do it? I guess where are we at in that cycle of change? And I guess what's, what's holding it in place? What's not letting it fall away like so many things do?
1: Yeah, I think there's been in the last few years, there certainly has been a lot more focus on it and emphasis on it. And so it sheds light on things. So, you know, it is a lot of it is just understanding what is the truth of the current situation. And this is I mean, these are systems that were created many, many, many years ago. And they were frankly, a system that was not created by us or for us. And necessarily, at the time that they were built. And those those decision-making positions were often held by a certain demographic that didn't necessarily represent the diversity, women included, of businesses that are out there and so, and of our community as a whole. And so over the years, that bias, it just, it kind of becomes ingrained in the systems and the culture, and it becomes difficult to even recognize that it's there. And uh, we see this, that we're, de- we're dealing with a lot of these issues in society right now um, when we're talking about diversity and, and true inclusion. And so part of it is looking at, in this case, when we're speaking about women, where are women in the decision-making process? Where are women in the leadership positions? Where are women in the design of the system and the implementation of changes to the system at the highest levels, at the highest leadership levels, all the way to the the the, the front facing entry level, whatever you want to call it? Where are the women in making those decisions? And that impacts how how bias is, how bias can be, uh, how bias may remain, or it might actually be changed and removed.
0: I appreciate what you said, and it—you know—it sometimes you have to create a little bit of forgiveness, which I know is a a big word to use around. Like, yeah, we got here, but we didn't—we don't even realize anymore. I heard a joke the other day: one fish says to the other fish, "Jeez, the water's cold," and he looks over and goes, "Water." I thought it really captured it so well that you don't even realize <laughs> sorry not to minimize that whole issue around a joke but framing it in that way you, we end up in these situations we don't even realize why it is we belie- we're believing what we're believing <laughs> and sometimes it masquerades the illusion of that it was our idea and you're like no it, just, it gets ingrained into a system and to talk about systemic change it takes a few cycles like it's either at a big event has to happen and blow something up or it takes those cycles of people moving up to more senior positions and going whoa hey why is is it that we do it this way and like these are things we need changed overnight but they were built over over generations and unfortunately it's good i I believe we're on the right road towards that but without a big event and a a catastrophic like something to blow it up which maybe needs to happen in some cases it does it takes time for those new beliefs to work their way through any organization
1: exactly and 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 so it's not how do do we accelerate
0: it how do we accelerate i guess is the question
1: (laughs) and part of it is you know share what we love to do is share what we're doing Share how we approach it. What is how how do we make these decisions? How are we how are we financing? And you know, we have we've had very good success rate for our businesses, uh, you know, compared to industry standards. And a big part of that is, that relationship and that support and that, you know, that sort of deep relationship that is uh, created with the entrepreneur, which is part of our process of our financing um, and some of the other programs we do. But it's at the heart of of our financing. So it's not just handing money and away you go, it's actually a relationship. So let's find the best ways to help you make your business a success. Let's see who else could come into this and invest in this and be a part of of the success that you're creating
0: that concept around that hard working dollars. Like I don't want, you know, I've had entrepreneurs say, I can get money, but I need more than that. I need support, I need introductions, I need, don't do that, do this, don't step on that lawnmine. Hey, have you thought of that? And talking to investors out of the valley, I had um, Matthew Wilson on recently, who is uh, Allied Venture Partners, the recent um, fund that just got set up in Alberta specifically to fund the ecosystem. And he talked talked about the need and, you know, our ecosystem being young, you don't necessarily have all those entrepreneurs outside of the resource sector that are on their second or third exit that can then come back and mentor and create a community which sounds like something you guys are doing very well as part of your 25 year legacy.
1: Yes and we'd love to do more. And <laughs> nice. you know part of the challenges and also the the opportunity that came with our new virtual world that we are communicating in is we can more easily access national global those resources and, you know, there are, there's great, there's great Albertans out there in the world too. So it's not necessarily only Albertans who have, who are currently residing or. Choosing to be in Alberta, uh, there are great. So there's there's a there's a world full of amazing amazing Albertans, and outside of that, their connections. So you know it is a small world, and our degrees of separation to the advice we need and the support we need is actually very small if we if we know what we need and we ask for it.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Having the ask is so critical. So as an organization over the last seven months or eight months, and as we've all pivoted for COVID, what are some of the things like you, You, know, I appreciate how you pivoted that like, well, it's a challenge, but it's an opportunity. Have you been, has that been part of your mandate? And has has the recent COVID situation even allowed maybe create, to give you more access to a broader stage? Because like you and I now, you're in Edmonton, I'm in Calgary and we're having a great chat and there's no limitation. Is, has that, have you seen an improvement or is there a definite trend in that direction for for you guys? since the last eight months.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So on two fronts, the first in our direct service delivery, so moving everything to a virtual environment, our advising, our programming, we are seeing participation from all corners of the province. We have a lot of uptake from rural communities, connecting into our advising, looking into our financing, um, understanding what, what we offer, And being and feeling more connected to us. And then also, we have participants from around the world that are joining us for some of our webinars and the different, uh, different tips and tools and resources and learning that we're offering in an online environment. So we've actually seen our reach. Uh, grow in, incredibly over the last seven months and fr- and then also from a, an AWE connecting with other organizations and, tr- and finding resources across the country and around the world, we've actually had a lot more national conversations, provincial, regional conversations because we can all connect virtually and nobody's traveling for a day and a half to get to a meeting uh, across the country uh, and so we're able to connect in a, a lot more frequently, like with a lot more frequency. And I feel like we're not, uh, we're not rushing from one thing to the other. So the conversations are very thoughtful. And I just feel a real sense of connectedness. So even though we're not in person and I'd love, at one point I want to connect with all of these, these folks across the I just want to give somebody country. a hug. I just want to give somebody do, a hug. I do, right? <laughs> uh, and same with around the world. So being connected into some of the global women's entrepreneurship work that's being done. And also just some of the global work and in innovation and productivity. There's, there's just so many interesting things. It's almost like I just, you could just fill your day with all of those things.
0: There is so um, mu- there's so much cool stuff going on out there. If you're, if you're curious, so even much. in the least, you are you like half your day. Like that's the other side of it. It's so easy to stay connected almost too much sometimes because you're like, well, yeah, but I want to learn this and I want to go to that webinar and oh, it's in Europe, so I can get on it at six in the morning before my day starts. Next thing you're like, I've been sitting in front of this thing <laughs> for too long. <laughs> I, I love. Exactly. The, I love to hear the story. And the one thing that comes up, and I'm I'm a marketer. That's my that's my it's my I'm not sure which one's my side gig now. Like know I definitely do that full time, and I do this on the side, but. Yep. I've, I've heard universally and I believe that there, we don't do a great job or we haven't in the past of telling the Alberta story. So to think about the fact that you know Canada on a global stage from a female like a leadership in business and entrepreneur and then to hear now that you're getting that exposure to me that's a great thing to be known for internationally of like oh yeah we look to this market because they have X amount 30% of their startups led by women where we're maybe a jurisdiction where we're just getting going with that. Like, to me that is a great kind of piece of value prop to send out there to the world from just a pure marketing message perspective. So I'm really, as a KPI, I'm excited to hear that because that story, the Canadian story as well as specifically the Alberta story, we, we're too humble sometimes. We need to tell that story better.
1: Yeah. And I've learned to stop doing that. So <laughs> I'm happy to shout from the rooftops how proud I am of this incredible community and to say, we have great talent. We have great businesses. Check us out. Learn more about opportunities to work with Alberta businesses, uh, to invest in Alberta, to to move to Alberta, uh, whatever that looks like. But to say we have we have really leading Entrepreneurs. We have a leading entrepreneur support ecosystem here. And we should really be proud of that and showcasing that because that is, those global connections are what are, is going to really move our economy forward for our province.
0: Yes, we can't think inside of our walls in any, in any context. It's a global village that we live in. And I think COVID's made that even as it separated us, it's brought us together. It's it's really kind of an interesting kind of double two sides of the coin. So, it, curious on one thing, they, the KPIs in terms of your, do you measure how many businesses? Businesses you're helping, how much money you've got in market, and and what do you measure? And I'm just thinking, like, listen to you talk about that. Sounds like the last seven eight months has been a growth trajectory for you as 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 a as a value provider. I don't want to say a business because you guys are a value provider to a large community. What what is it that you measure? Like, what do you do? You look for money in play, people engaged. How many people are on a Zoom call? What are your What are your numbers?
1: All of it. <laughs> we, uh, I see you smiling have, and nodding as I'm talking. We have so many metrics okay. and we, we have different funding, but also just as an organization, how do we make decisions about what programs we run, what supports we offer, what are we doing well? What do we need to change? How do we need to shift and move with the changing environment that we find ourselves in? And so we, we measure all of those things. So, you know, we track our financing very closely. Uh, we look at, you know, the total, uh, The total amount of entrepreneurs that we're supporting, whether it's unique businesses or unique individuals, we look at we look at the partnerships that we have out in the community and what is being developed and what is how are we how are we as an organization leveraging those partnerships? How are they leveraging partnerships with us and how are we making a difference? and so how are we moving the needle towards parity how are we moving the needle towards our uh, you know the vision for what awe wants to achieve as an organization and you know ideally you know we we want to not exist because you want to work yourself uh, out
0: of a job i appreciate that absolutely
1: because we want to get to a place where it is equal it is it is you know there is absolute Uh, Absolutely no need for anything different because there is no bias. There is no differentiator between the opportunities and the access Mm -hmm. that women entrepreneurs have versus what men entrepreneurs have.
0: I like that. No difference between the the opportunity and the access. Mm -hmm. You could just be Alberta entrepreneurs. You could just, you know, if if life was awesome, you could drop the W. That's such an interesting concept of thinking about working yourself out, out of a job. But also, I really appreciate you're spending so much of your time supporting and engaging with other businesses. It's, it's the shoemaker's kids. You've got to still do, you, you still have to do all those same things for yourself. <laughs> and those can be challenging when you're in a service-based business. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And ex- we have an amazing team. So how, the, big is the the team? Work? how many
0: How many of you are to get all this work done?
1: I know, right? I, I should, I should have you guess how many, how big you think we are.
0: Oh, I think uh, you're big, but I have a feeling you're small actually. Yeah. I think <laughs> you're doing this with like, dozen. I don't even know, but uh, listening to you talk, it's this many people as I'm holding my, the, the, the staff account, but I have a feeling you're doing it pretty lean and mean. And you've got, I heard someone say the other day, I said there, they were like 10 or 15 people. They were a tech startup and they've landed these amazing deals. And I said, I asked the CEO, I said, how do you do it? He goes, 10 Xers. What do you mean 10X? He goes, every one of our employees is a 10X. And they, they produce the value and the impact of 10, normal, of 10 quote unquote normal people. And I was like, what a nicer way that everyone says, oh, I, we need to hire unicorns. I like the 10X concept. It really resonated with me. So I'm starting to, sh- I'm starting to shop it around.
1: <laughs> yes. And I like that. And I would fully agree that that's our team. And uh, they, so we have a full-time team of eight. Okay. And we have we Stub have sub twelve is what staff. I was
0: going to say, but I was a little bit. out oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. We have
1: a few part time staff as well, and uh, so about we have 12, uh, 12 staff total, and uh, and I feel like we we do a lot with what we have, and and also, but I feel we have a responsibility to do that because of who we serve. We work for entrepreneurs. We work with entrepreneurs, and so this we are lean and mean, and and mean in a good way.
0: <laughs> and course, yes, you know I yeah
1: in, yeah in terms of getting things done I'm not
0: getting the mean vibe I'm not getting yeah it. no
1: I hope not and Zero. and so yeah uh but but definitely that that is so important to say we really understand where you're coming from too because we experience a lot of those challenges and a lot of that pain as well as we're we're trying to navigate how best to deliver what we need to deliver out in the world and so those partnerships those relationships asking for help from others is also really important to us as an organization.
0: Well, they say leading by example isn't the best way is the only way. (laughs) So drop drop maybe... Setting the W just aside for a moment, and a little bit of the theme we're talking. I, this is a curious question, I mean, and I'm, you're, I'm looking for your perspective. I've been talking I have a very fortunate opportunity to talk to a lot of people in Alberta, from everything from startups to established businesses. What's been coming up for me is this is this this constant theme I'm getting that there's this chasm that exists. There's a lot of support for the research and development and ideation phase, and even getting to maybe that first prototype from a government programs perspective or groups like yourselves that are involved there to help it then I hear that there's this, it's been referred to the chasm of death where, okay, we've got our first thing, but yet we're not revenue positive. We don't have our first customer and everyone's like, well, yeah, once you have that, then we'll, we'll help you. But yet, all of the programs were really supportive to get up to that point. But I'm hearing from a lot of people, and you know, part of the show is to like how do we remove barriers or at least address what they are, that there's this gap in between of like, we're there, we're ready, but no one will take that risk on us or be our first customer. So therefore, we can't get that next round of maybe venture capitalism or what the case may be or meet some covenants. What do you see working with like entrepreneurs that happen to be women? Do you see that type of a situation happen? And what are your what's your view on that?
1: Yes, it does happen. And we have, you know, we are, we try to position ourselves so we are not overlapping with R&D funding that's available or others that are very focused specifically on that kind of, of providing that capital to entrepreneurs. But we do also, we want to finance things that are market ready. So we won't finance R&D, but we can certainly finance things that are market ready and, t- and tested in the market. Uh, And we also can be a customer. So that's one thing that I think we have a huge ecosystem of service providers out there that we also need tools and resources and we run like businesses. So we can be your first customer potentially so we can also support in that way and i think oh, we could do a lot okay, more of that
0: that's interesting i've had a few people say i asked the question you know what where do you see the government's role and i i think Kalea carrington which i'm probably you you know very active in the community she said why doesn't the government get involved and be that first customer to help mitigate that risk or maybe come in as a as a part you know, owner. She i forget the exact words. I don't think, she, but be involved at that stage to carry us forward to de-risk for that next round of customer, which may be global, maybe an investor. And so it's interesting to hear that you guys do play that role sometimes, where you actually become the customer. That's really interesting.
1: We try, we try, or mm-hmm. we'll say we'll date a test or if it makes sense, uh, we offer it up. Sometimes people don't take us up on that offer, so you know, and and to also ask. So, you know, this is a a really broad this is a big area where resources are needed and there are opportunities to be able to sell in and, you know, be able to bring in a whole perhaps a whole new type of customer. A lot of people don't think about the not for profit service provider sector as a good customer necessarily. but. We definitely can be. And, you know, we are looking to, we are looking for vendors who are diverse and we want to be inclusive and we want to make sure that we are, we're, we're, you know, walking the talk in terms of providing that support and the access to, to, uh, to be able to sell into networks like ours. And so I, and we're connected to national networks and global networks and on and on and on. And, you know, AWE has, you know, f- 70 active partners in the ecosystem. Uh, and there's my, many more that we have partnerships that ebb and flow with time, depending on what activities we have going on or what our, what uh, programming is happening, what our focus is. So I think it's just an interesting way to look at it. So money is great, but you know, the best money is revenue. That is Hands down, best money you can get in your business. We love to support the financing to be able to help those businesses generate that revenue. So that's a big part of the advice we give. And what we're trying to do is to help, help businesses connect into those revenue sources that are going to make them viable and sustainable.
0: And so much, like you, like you said, having access to that network is such huge valuable because oftentimes you've got this amazing idea, but you just can't get enough in front of enough people or the right people to even get feedback on your idea. And that's that's the really challenging part at the early stages because we can all get very bought into our own ideas. <laughs> Confirm- <laughs> confirmation bias is everywhere, especially when you're looking for it.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. What curious, does the market might, actually need?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely, uh, and it might be different than what you thought. Heaven forbid. Um, curious on you. You mentioned in perspective of helping uh, Alberta companies get access to global markets and talking to other. So when you go out to the world and tap into your network, is there an understanding of what Alberta's about? I know we talked about it in terms of the you know the old joke. What is in Alberta? Maybe not that severe. I've like I talked to a few people. that said, well, it's not really like that anymore. But you know, better telling our stories. But when you're looking at potential customers for businesses that are based in Alberta. Do we have do you have to bridge that gap or you get right to the offering? Or is there a little bit like, well, I don't really know you. I'm not really sure of who you are. Like what do you run into when it gets to the brass tacks of getting a product in front of somebody where they're not even sure where we're from? <laughs>
1: Very good question, because that (laughs) happens more than we would like to think, which is why we need to shout from the rooftops more often. Back
0: to your original (laughs) Back
1: to my original point. But but yes, uh, so one area that we've been really involved in for the past 10 years has been around supplier diversity. And supplier diversity in procurement is really getting, it's to become an inclusive space for Mm -hmm. minorities and unfortunately women are included in the minority not because of population but because of the very low number of procurement contracts that are awarded to women And so part of the supplier diversity work that we've been doing is to work with global affairs and do trade missions to big supplier diversity events around the world, one in particular in the U.S. Uh, And then there was a European as well. And that network has also grown over the last 10 years. So that global movement of supplier diversity, specifically connecting corporations and women-owned businesses as suppliers to each other. Uh, has grown quite a bit as a movement in the last 10 years. And so that piece of it, just that of bringing women from Alberta on a trade mission to, you know, somewhere in the United States, that, that event moves around, uh, to connect them in with major corporate buyers and to other women-owned businesses. So, you know, they're in the U.S., it's a very well-established network community process support system and it's been around now for, I think, probably at least 40 years. I can't remember the exact date anymore, 50 years. Okay. And so they have a very well-established system. And so there's even like a billion-dollar club of women-owned business suppliers that supply to the corporations. So that's thousands of women-owned businesses of various sizes and revenue models that to connect in with. And so when we take the Alberta business owners, a big part of it is to connect you know the value of their business and also the value of Alberta, and so a lot of it's a lot of, a of two, my work. Two
0: pronged It's a two pronged pitch, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, it, a lot of my work is to actually pitch Alberta and the great businesses that we have in Alberta, who maybe not are represented in person, as well as support the women-owned businesses from Alberta who are there. And so, what I find really interesting is a lot of what the questions that are asked about the businesses in Alberta is is really around the talent it's around the technology it's around the innovation and i think one great thing if, if a person doesn't have a lot of knowledge is that there's no preconceived notions or mis, misconceptions it, it's, it's, it's either good
0: it's nothing it's not necessarily bad which is which is interesting like you're not trying to work your way back from a oh i heard this about you guys that's not the case
1: That's right. So it's actually, sometimes it's great to have a clean slate and the questions are more focused on the things that we would want to focus on in, in promoting this amazing province.
0: There's more of a chance for kind of the surprise and like, oh, I never, wow, really? I didn't know that versus like, I heard this, you know, then you feel like, then you're almost trying to prove, you're almost trying to be defensive in that, in that situation versus going, really? Well, I actually didn't. And then there's kind of like, well, why didn't I know that was going on? Yeah. I would take a blank slate if I had to choose the negative for the blank slate. (laughs) And you said, you said that obviously in the US, are you seeing the same type of movement with companies, uh, large enterprise level companies in Canada around really taking a hard look at their procurement policies to ensure that there is diversity and inclusion going on?
1: Yeah, there's been, it's been a slower progression. And okay. one of the big differences in the US is there was legislation around mm, supplier oh. diversity. And, uh, and so that was, you know, a big driver for a lot of the bigger corporations to get involved and to become uh, participants in supplier diversity programs. And over time it's evolved. Uh, because of that. So we don't have that same kind of emphasis in policy and legislation necessarily okay. around supplier diversity. So it has been slower. It has been a good business case has been built for it. And you've seen the example of the US and, and, and other parts of the world that have embraced it. And so yes, in the, there are corporations, many of them are in the east currently. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm hearing that, we, have,
0: we have opportunities to do better here, is what I'm hearing between the lines. You're being very diplomatic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it is a missed opportunity to not really explore having as diverse or as a cl- an inclusive vendor uh, group as you possibly can have because what amazing ideas, innovation, connections. So even if you look at the diversity that's around us, so for example, my mother is Mexican and I'm directly connected to a lot of incredible people in Mexico uh, and the the Mexican community here through my mother and her family. And so that is a direct connection into a global market. And so we, and many of us have those direct connections. The degrees of separation are very small. I love, you know, it's the
0: old adage, nothing much happens in life without a relationship somewhere. We make it this big, almost like nameless, faceless, but it's still connections and it's still humans. Oh no, I know somebody. Let me call them. And oh yeah, no, they know somebody. They'll introduce you to someone. That is how it happens.
1: That's <laughs> exactly how it happens. Exactly. Relationships and community.
0: Oh, so, so powerful. I appreciate that. Um, Hey, curious question. And I don't, we didn't touch on it. Do you get involved with anything through organization, through lobbying to the government of like, Hey, we need these kind of policies in place. Like, is that a role that you guys play? Or is there another group that you work probably alongside that, that leads that side of things?
1: Yeah, technically we don't lobby. So, you know, I didn't that's, even know that's a, the right word. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a challenging word in the, in the space, in the environment that we're in, but we do, we are often asked for our thoughts on policy, we're here. asked for our point of view. We're asked to say, "What are you seeing hearing from the women entrepreneurs that you work with? what are what are some of the areas of concern? where what Where could we do better?" And so we're often asked to participate in roundtables and provide feedback on things uh, or to present at different committee meetings uh, and in different spaces for us to share the perspective of the the women that we work with every single day.
0: So you get that chance to be the expert, the voice, the voice, the voice of your of your of your ecosystem, of your community in the room. Okay, that's yes. Yeah, I didn't even know if lobbying is the right way to think about it, but yeah, getting involved in government, changing policies, but being brought to the table as the expert witness in the situation—that's that's hugely advantageous. Yes. So Curious, and I didn't give you this question in advance. So if if it's feeling if it's feeling unfair, that's okay. I, I apologize, but I'll ask it anyways top three things, top five, you can wave your magic wand and six months from now, things will be better because of these changes. Is there things on the top of your mind that you would go boom, boom, boom. Like I would change that. I would change that. And I would change that immediately. And this would pave the road for not only more access for women, but an over like this, this, this podcast is about economic transformation. How can we do better? What can we get out of the way?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh boy. That's a, that's a, Thoughtful question. I'm not sure I can do it off the top of my head. And it's, it's very difficult in this COVID environment, too, to think about that without thinking about COVID. Uh, but I, one of the key things is direct connection between small and medium-sized businesses and the technology that they need and the leadership that they need to manage the transformation, Okay. So that's back an area to the, back that we're to the
0: digital transformation issue. Very much listening. so,
1: absolutely. So let's let's make sure that every single business, whether they're storefront, main street, you know, up, you know, home based, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like, has proper access to. E-commerce platforms to the digital tools that they need to the software, all of those pieces, all of the components that are required, uh, to communication tools, and even just right proper internet access. Yes, right. That's just, a continuous. Just, how issue. easy to
0: take for granted a good internet connection.
1: <laughs> yes, that that so that access to technology and also okay. connecting that to come back to that piece of you know businesses being able to share what they've built and developed with others to make those connections more fluid. So let's say I've developed software around um, invoice management how can I connect that in with another small business that needs a better system? They need a digital system around invoice management. So creating those connection points. Uh, And I think the second piece is really, there's great conversation around equity, diversity and inclusion right now. I think to really bring in a lot of the communities who have very active entrepreneurship that have been on the fringes of what the activity has been focused on is, extremely important. So if we could make sure that we are, those voices are actually being heard effectively, and that they the programs and the services and the systems are changing to meet those needs, that would make a huge difference as well. And not just in words only, but in action as well and behaviors. Um, so those, those are my kind of big two so far. Those are pretty juicy. I put you on the spot,
0: but you, 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 you showed up for those. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. And I think, and the third one is to, is to continue to build this community and to be proud and to shout out all of the really great changes in innovation and technology and all of these wonderful things that are being developed. And many of these are being developed out of necessity, because we're in a crisis. But the world is in a crisis. And so let's get this out into the world, global market access, global market domination. I think it is possible for Alberta and to really, really push our export agenda. Let's get this out into the world. And how do we effectively do that? So, um, you know, there's there are certainly some really good opportunities out there. And I would say let's pick a lane and let's do as much as we possibly can in that lane to get the, 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 the brain power, the talent in particular shared with the globe to solve some of these really important issues, economic issues, social issues, environmental issues that the whole world is facing right now because we have some amazing talent and ideas that are sitting in our province right now that should be shared
0: yes it's it, never have we all been brought together through a cry like nothing nothing unites like a crisis as unfortunate as that is and like i had someone say early on like when like when were we all brought to our knees simultaneously and I think, you know, and obviously there's a huge negative behind that, but I like to how do we turn that into a positive and capitalize on that hopefully there's maybe an appetite for change or an appetite for things that maybe weren't there before because, well, that's just not the way we do it. Well, COVID took care of pretty much that sentence <laughs> you know, within 48 hours, which is interesting, whether it's work from home or accessing people on Zoom or, you know, just the ability to not have to get in a plane to actually have a conversation with someone. like Just that alone, how much that changes to your point, access to global and how you guys have been taking advantage of it. That's really Encouraging to hear. Well, Marcella, I really appreciate you've given me so much to think about, which I, again, I, I always say I love these podcasts because I walk away with my brain going, Oh, I never thought about that, never thought about that. And I really hope, and it clearly does the same for my audience and they keep tuning in. But what's the best way for someone to, if someone, heaven forbid, is just hearing about you guys now and they're like, Why didn't I know about this? What's the best way for them to get involved?
1: Well, uh, visit our website, So, awebusiness.com is our website and social media so you can find the links to our social media on our website please do connect with us join our community join in the conversations please tell us what you're thinking and what you need. So that's that's something that's so important to us. We also have the traditional 1-800 number. (laughs) If anyone who would like to still pick up the telephone and give us a call, we welcome that. And that's 1-800-713-3558, also available on our website. And of course, we have email. So info at awebusiness.com. We check that actively, always happy to answer questions or provide information or connect to other resources or connect to our resources if it's the right fit.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for that. And for yourself, I know you're on LinkedIn. I, that's how I connected with you. So I, I do love the world. There's no way to not get a hold of anybody anymore. It's like if you want to, it's there and the door's open. And back to your earlier point, I do find people are incredibly receptive. And they were before in Alberta, but I think COVID has even made it more so. Like my advice to anyone listening don't be, reach out. Just call somebody. They will give you time. They will give you time. They'll give you advice. It's amazing the helpful, that kind of coming together, like let's build the barn together mindset that we have here in Alberta. But you you have to be part of it. You have to step out onto the field to make that happen. But Priscilla, I really enjoyed our conversation today. It was a pleasure meeting with you and really excited and proud of what you're doing in our amazing province. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you.